If you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Acts chapter 6 and 7? Acts chapter 6 and 7. I spent my growing up summers at family camp where there was a sign, a big sign that hung over the pulpit that had the words recorded from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. For me, that meant two weeks of, of wonder, two weeks of excitement. The worship was passionate, the preaching was stirring, but I lived to see what God would do at altar times. I, I, I saw incredible transformations, healings and deliverances, salvations, all sorts of exhibitions of God's power and presence and grace. I would passively come to camp and would be swept up in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit for those incredible days. Unfortunately, all too soon, the last Sunday would arrive, and we would then head home to the dull, difficult routine of, of regular life and would start the countdown for those two weeks next summer, just 349 days away, where we would again be filled with the Spirit. To me, that's what fullness looked like. That's what fullness meant. But then one day in my personal devotions, I was reading in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, where it says that following his baptism, Jesus, being full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan River. He was led there by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. That made me so confused. I, I thought fullness of the Holy Spirit was these incredible gatherings of, of people coming together where, where God showed up, where God shook up, transformed and gave convincing proof of, of who he was and what he could do. But Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit, not to a revival meeting, not to a campground, but into the wilderness for temptation by no one less than the devil himself. And that temptation didn't go on for 40 minutes or 40 hours, but for 40 days. I was confused. What does being full of God's Holy Spirit look like? What does it mean? What happens to a Spirit-filled person who lives in that Jesus kind of fullness? Eventually, I stumbled upon the story and the example of Stephen in the book of Acts, and that's where we are today, chapters 6 and 7. At this point, the church is a, a pretty new entity. It, it's vibrant. It's active. It's a, it's a powerful, emerging force on the Jerusalem horizon. God's doing some amazing things, and, and, and the devil is mad, and so he does what he always does. He sows discord in the hopes of bringing division to this church. He understands that a house that's united can stand strong, but a house that's divided, it will quickly fall. And the dividing point was along this economic race, race uh, schism. 
Jerusalem was an international city. It, it, it was gathered there. There were Hebrew Jews who were born in the nation. And then there was a group that were called Grecian Jews. Jews that were born outside of Israel, but who had immigrated back into the nation. And the Grecian Jews complained that, that their women were overlooked, weren't taken care of as well as the Hebrew widows at the church. And they were angry. These Grecian Jews were riled up and they demanded that the spiritual leadership do something and do something now. And the apostles said that their hands were full. The church was rapidly multiplying and God was moving powerfully. The apostles said, our priority is prayer and the word. We, we need to hear God constantly so we know where to go next, what to do next. So, so we'll create a new department of service. We will create a group of people that we will call deacons, those who are willing to serve. People who are willing to serve the, the practical needs that arise within the body of the church here. And how people who will wait tables, stack boxes, do whatever's required to make sure that the people of our congregation are cared for. So in Acts chapter 6, 3, the, the apostles tell the people to pick seven people out of their number who would be willing and able to serve. And they gave that there were three qualifications, three traits that these people had to have. The first was they had to be of good reputation. They, they would be dealing with the most vulnerable, and so they needed to be people who understood that and respected that. They would be dealing with uh, money and materials that had to be distributed to the poor. And so we want you to be of good reputation. The second thing is that the candidates had to be full of the Holy Spirit because they weren't fighting flesh and blood fights. They, they were up against evil rulers, authorities in unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world that were against everything that God was doing in the church, powers that were trying to split, trying to destroy the church over something that was a core value of the church, the care of the poor. They had to be persons of power to overcome an imminent spiritual threat to the church. They had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And third, candidates had to be recognized as, as people who were full of God's wisdom. They, they, they had to know what to do, how to do it, when to do it, they, they, they needed to know that, that God would have a specific schedule. God would have a specific agenda each and every day, and they had to wait for it. Because it might seem right, it might seem good to a man, but it can end up in disaster, it can end up in death if God hasn't given his okay to it. Find seven such persons. It was a big ask. We're looking for people who are willing to wade into all sorts of, of human need and urgency, but are willing to do so with character, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and with God-given wisdom. When we're called by God, when we're commissioned by God to do something, 
Whether it's to preach the word, whether it's to care for our children or widows or ushering or serving in the sound booth or, or visiting people, there's a need for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Fullness is God giving us all he has so that we're competent to do the task. When you prophesy, the Bible says, don't just give words of truth and forecast, but stir up, build up, cheer up. When you pray, don't just pray your own will. Pray the will of the Father. Kingdom of God come, will of God be done. When, when you are full of the Holy Spirit, you're competent to do what's in front of you. God equips you. God prepares you. God makes you competent. Choose seven candidates. Choose seven candidates was the instructions of the apostle. And so the church did just that. They chose seven individuals. All of them were Grecian Jews to solve the problem of the Grecian widows. The first person that they chose was a man named Stephen. He's a man whose ministry, whose arrest, whose trial, whose attitude at the time of death reminds you so much of Jesus. I love his story because from the beginning to its very end, the word fullness is used or is exhibited through his life. Stephen, a man full of faith is what is described there. Stephen, a man who is full of the Holy Spirit. When, when we look for an understanding of, of fullness, Stephen is the pattern that after Jesus I always go to. He was possessed by the conviction that his God would supply all of his needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. If, if, you, if I have a need in any area, Stephen would say, then God's going to supply it. If the widows gather around the table for a meal and I don't have enough food to, to feed them, then God's going to provide everything that we need before it's too late. He was a man that was full of faith. A man full of the Holy Spirit. He not only possessed the power of God, but he had the character of God. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In the midst of a, of a racial economic divide, a person who knows how to find joy. A, a, a person who can be so full of the Holy Spirit that he is gentle in the midst of all the conflict. Who can exhibit self-control. That's the kind of person that you need. I, I'm impressed to see the fullness of the Holy Spirit not only empowers, not only clothes us with the ability to fulfill the call of God on our life, but it produces in us a desire to serve people and meet need. If we're not willing to serve, let me say this clearly, if we're not willing to serve, if we don't respond to need that's in front of us, we're not full of the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm so impressed by Stephen's example to understand that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit's power and presence, we are a people who want to build the kingdom. 
and we will go anywhere. We will do anything that God asks us to do. Serve widows, if that's your will, I'm here. My test for measuring the spirit fullness in new people who come to me is to see how they're willing to serve in a place that seems to them to be beneath their level of ability and anointing. On more than one occasion, visitors will come and they feel that we should open up this pulpit and allow them to preach sometime in the next three Sundays. I don't put their names in a calendar. I don't make arrangements, but I do ask them, hey, listen, could you help me stack the chairs? Could, could you help me in Club J? Could you help me move some tables? I usually don't see them again. There's a lack of spiritfulness evident when serving isn't important to somebody. If they're willing to serve, then my next box to check is to see the condition of the people that they have served with after the assignment is over. Are, there, are, are the people that they worked with encouraged? Or have they been beaten down and demeaned? Jesus didn't come to condemn, but he came to bring life. Do they bring life? That indicates, that tells me something of the spirit fullness in their life. If I'm full of the Holy Spirit, then I have a passionate desire to serve people, to build people, to leave the kingdom stronger and better than I found it when I arrived. That's fullness. So, so the apostles commissioned and, and gave the seven that had been chosen the authority to carry for, care for the needs of the widows. They put hands of blessing and recognition on them. They prayed over and released them to serve all of the widows in the church. Stephen and his, and, and his team must have done an amazing job because the complaint that our widows are in need and aren't being cared for well enough never arises again in the book of Acts. The conflict is eliminated. The church need is met. The widows fed. The focus returns to, to what God is doing in and through his church. However, Fullness of the Holy Spirit means that as individuals, we grow, we develop, we increase. I, I, I've seen Stephen as, a, as a f the first social worker in the church. He was arranging, he was strategizing, he was executing a play, plan to take care of people in need. So he's the early church social worker. In, in recent months, I have become quite bristly. When it comes to labels, I sit down with a pen and paper and I write down all of the things that I am called, all of the, the adjectives that describe who I am, what I do, everything from pastor to husband, from dad to friend, from Canadian to intercessor. There, there's a lot of titles that I have and there's some that I still want to own before I breathe my last breath. But, but those 40 that, that define, that describe something of who I am and something of what I do. So when someone comes up to me and takes one sticket note, one, one label, and tries to make it fit over my life, I get grouchy. I, I, I get prickly. 
I, I, I find that it's too simplistic. It's too limiting. It's, it's a little bit condescending. Holy Spirit has a plan to grow, to increase my capacity, my authority, my ability to enlarge who I am and what I can do. Stephen is more than a social worker that looks after widows at the church. The job has, has been done well. It's been do, done properly, and, but it's not his final destination. The, the scripture teaches us that if you're faithful over the little that you're given, then increase, promotion comes. If you've been faithful in handling the small amount, then I will give you much more, Jesus says. Stephen was not an apostle. He, he was not a front man. He was not a person who stood in the spotlight. He was first appointed to be a social worker for the brand new church to meet need. And he did it. And, and, he, and he did it so well that when there wasn't enough food, he would pray as a man full of faith and believe God to supply. When one of his widows was ill, he, he would come and he would pray the prayer of faith and see the healer come and touch that life. His encountering real people with real needs meant that he was growing, that he was risking, that he was developing and believing God for new things in and through his life. Reaching out to expand, to push and make greater capacity. Listen, listen to this. Our introduction to, to Stephen is a man full of faith, a man full of the Holy Spirit, chosen to serve tables. But somewhere in between those few verses, we get to verse 8, and, and Stephen now is described as being filled with God's grace, is now filled with God's power, and is performing many, many amazing miracles and signs. Added to, to this Holy Spirit fullness comes grace. And that, that word grace is translated throughout the New Testament as, as God's smile, God's blessing, God's favor. When, when Jesus was growing up, the grace of God, the, the favor of God was on him and he grew physically, spiritually, mentally, socially. He was able to do things well. Doors were opened by God. Opportunities were given by God. God's grace increased on Stephen and things began to happen. And added to that grace comes power or spiritual authority. Stephen was full, full of the authority of God, God's power. When he came into conflict with demon powers, they had to bend, they had to submit because of the power of God that was found in Stephen. And added to Stephen's service was the ability to do many amazing miracles and signs. I, I read that and I'm, I'm wanting more information. I, I want to know what it looked like. But, but Luke not wanting me to limit what God did in Stephen's life to, to what he wants to do in my life. He doesn't give me any of that information. Doesn't give me any of the quantitative, qualitative information that I'm looking for. He just stirs up a curiosity. Stirs up a hunger in me. He performed many miracles and signs. Do you remember when King David was just a teen, he showed up at the king's camp where they were fighting the Philistines. 
And he shows up at Saul's tent as the only young person, the only warrior willing in all of Israel to, to dare and believe that the giant could be taken down and defeated. He, he, he's just a young teen. However, he had been made faithful in the small things back home. He tells Saul that in, in the field where I look after my father's sheep, God has made me able to kill both a bear and a lion. And there's nothing that God cannot do. He, he can help me defeat a giant. And, and the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistines. In the life that is lived constantly filled, there comes a progressive story of God's grace as we go from one hard-fought victory to the next. There's an increase of both grace and power of God in our lives that brings us from this struggle that ends in glory to the next struggle that's bigger and more challenging than anything that we've ever had. Suddenly we come to the understanding and the realization that the enemy is a defeated foe because of Calvary. Fullness looks like this. It, it, it looks like someone who shows up for the fight, doesn't wait for someone else to get involved. Fullness steps into bigger challenges, bigger battles, bigger enemies. Service always leads to opportunities for growth. S success, um, <clears throat> success in service always opens up doors presents risks for you to go on to bigger opponents and greater battles. If you are willing, if we are willing to do that, then our eulogy will read like Stephen. They did amazing miracles and saw incredible signs in their lifetime. Fullness serves. Fullness builds. Fullness grows in grace and power and spiritual authority. In 2022, this is a year that's going to be a big year. And if you seek to be full, to live in the fullness of God, be constantly filled to the point of overflow, you're going to be called on to do things that you've never done before. Doors are going to open to opportunity that may make you uncomfortable. Fullness never takes you to places of comfort. It always takes you to challenge. It always takes you to growth. It always takes you places you've never been before. God will lead you. He will lead you step by step. I, I often hear people say, I one day will raise the dead. And I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm excited for, for that. I believe that. But I know that there are some steps between here and there. I have to prove to myself that God is faithful and is in my corner before I move on to pray for your ache and for the pain that's over there and grow in fullness until I'm not afraid, I'm not intimidated to stand at the door of a grave and call for the dead to come forth to life. Fullness leads to spiritual risk, spiritual growth. The Bible says you, you shall do greater things. Jesus the Nazarene, renowned for doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs, as you well know. It's said of the apostle that there was a deep sense of awe came over the people, and the apostles 
performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Miracles, signs, wonders are the territory of the people who live in fullness. There is a much more than what we have right now. Much more than what I have right now. And I want it all. And it comes through spiritfulness. I'm glad, I'm thankful that when Luke tells the story of Stephen, he, he doesn't just tell the good parts. He, he doesn't leave out the hardship. He doesn't ignore the mistreatment, the pain. And there's some very costly, some very unfair events in front of Stephen. In the middle of the many amazing signs and wonders, there comes this large group of men from the synagogue of the freed slaves to debate Stephen. They were Jews who were from outside of Israel, from North Africa, from a few places in Turkey, and, and they come to debate to prove that Stephen is wrong. Verse 10 of Acts chapter 6 says that Stephen was so full of the Holy Spirit that none of these men could stand up to his wisdom. And the Spirit empowered Stephen to overcome their arguments. Jesus had given this promise. If you're arrested for my cause, don't worry about how you are to respond or what you will say. God will give you the right words at the right moment. Stephen faces these debaters. And they couldn't win because Stephen was so full of the wisdom and the Spirit of God and had an answer that stumped these people every time they raised something. And just like Jesus had in the face of, of religious scholars that tried to trap him, tried to put him in a corner that he couldn't get out of. And so these men felt the need to take Stephen down. They, they were mad, they were jealous, and they persuaded men to lie about Stephen. They, they persuaded people to give false testimony about Stephen. They roused the people, the elders, the teachers of the law. Eventually, Stephen was arrested and, and brought before the council. The, the lying witnesses spoke first and accused Stephen of speaking against the temple, against the laws of Moses, and they tied him to the upstart Jesus movement. He's been arrested, he's been falsely accused, and brought in front of a very partial anti-Jesus, anti-church, anti-gospel group of 71-member council to stand trial for, for crimes he did not commit. The head of the council was most likely the high priest called Caiaphas, the one who sat and rendered judgment over Jesus. Hear me on this. If our faith, if, if the fullness of the Holy Spirit doesn't reach into these tough times, into these trying times, into these difficult situations, then you're free to find whatever does. If, if faith doesn't stand up in conflict, in, in a pandemic, in, in a military invasion, in a courtroom that is stacked against you, if fullness doesn't work there, then it has no value. Here's the truth. The Christian life that you and I are called to, to live is hard. It's difficult. And outside the power of Jesus, it's impossible I enjoyed last weekend so much having Graham here, and, and, and the most powerful word that I heard was the one that was given to Kyle and Jocelyn, kedging. When, when you have no other ability, 
When, when the wind isn't in your sail moving you forward, pick up the, 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 the anchor in your boat, throw it as far as you can, and then pull yourself to the anchor, and then do it again. Keep moving until the winds start to blow. In the toughest of situations, there's always hope. Kyle and Jocelyn, I love, I love that God sees in you strength that, that can get you from where you are now to where you're destined to be, no matter what the conditions that you encounter. Stephen is accused. False witnesses are produced. They lie on the witness stand. You, you think that, that Stephen would be sitting in the, in the box sweating and panicked about what to do. But listen to what verse, seven, or verse 15 says. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen. Because his face was as bright as an angel's. Jesus said, I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind, peace of heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. He's sitting there with the face of an angel, filled with peace. I know that all things will work together for good for me because I love God and I've been called according to his purpose. I'm fulfilled because his fullness is working in me. His fullness will take me through the most difficult, costly situations. Eventually, the high priest turns to Stephen and says, Are these charges true? Here's a chance to stand up, to defend himself. Here's an opportunity to cry out about the injustice that he has suffered, the faults of the system that he's in, the mental anguish that he's experiencing. However, Stephen, a man who is full of the Word of God, launches into the most anointed sermon on, on the faithfulness and the interventions of God throughout the history of Israel. The social worker, now full of God, full of the, the word of God, full of an understanding of God and his ways, stands up and he preaches the longest sermon, and the most powerful sermon in the book of Acts. And he, he brings forth three points. He says, number one, God's program is one of progress and change because he's a creative innovator. And you, from all history, have resisted that. You've resisted change all along. Number two, God is a God of generous blessing. He not only has a plan for Israel and for, for Jerusalem, but for people that go beyond this city and beyond the borders of this nation. You don't see it. You won't open your heart to it. And then he says, God has reached out to you from, from time to time. From Abraham and Joseph and Jacob and the prophets. He sent Jesus to you and you do the same thing every single time. You resist and you oppose all the plans of God and the very people that God has given the message to for you. It's not a sermon that was prepared in the traditional sense. Not where you pull out a text and get the reference books and look up the Greek, look up the Hebrew, and see what the commentators have to say and pray over the text and rewrite and, and, and think about the lessons and the applications. Stephen stands up unprepared but full of the Holy Spirit, full of God's Word, full of a sense of God at work in his life, not only in his life but in the circumstances. And since the beginning of time, all 
all the way up to the glorious return of Jesus says, God has a purpose. You've not seen it, you've not understood it, but I'm declaring to you, God has a purpose. He declares boldly that God is in charge. God will have his way. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Christ and of, of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. Fullness has to be fought for. Fullness is not a passive in passive thing that you just stand and wait for it to be delivered by Amazon to your door. It's an intentional pursuit. Fullness comes out of, out of relationship. Fullness is built in the power of the world, word. It's, it's built out of friendship that we have through closeness with the Holy Spirit. Fullness may not be seen or understood by others until they see the pressure that starts coming against us and pushing on us because out of the, out of the innermost parts of our heart, when we face pressure, out comes truth. And so when Stephen has pressure come on his life, the fullness of God's word and an understanding of how God works starts to flow out of his life easily, fully. The text says in verse 54 that the Jewish leaders were infuriated by what Stephen's words were saying. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, listen to this, full of the peace of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into the heavens. And he said, look, I see the heavens open. Look, I, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. In a place of honor. And people who are full of the Holy Spirit don't see, don't, don't inter interpret current events the same way that the world does. I've stood at the bedside of people that are about to pass from this life into the next life. And, and, and the ones that are full of God don't see death, don't see the end of life. They see God. They see the beginning of a real living. They, they don't see feel, failure. They don't see defeat. They see life and God's victory. There are some folks that, that might look at these last days of, of events going on in Europe taking us to World War III, to Armageddon. I see a lot of that on the, on the uh, internet and in various kinds of media. But I declare to you that the greatest days for the church are still ahead. Before the last great war, the true church will rise to power, rise to victory. As described by the prophet Joel, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And men and women alike will, will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord our God will be saved. Before there's any Armageddon, there's going to be revival. I'll just tell you that right now. So don't lay awake thinking, oh, I hope Putin doesn't kill us. God's in control. We're not there yet, but as a person who wants to live in the fullness of spirit, life, and power, I'm telling you, choose to see God at work. Choose to work with God in these incredibly challenging but opportunist moments. We choose. 
We can choose to see people and, and circumstances as frustrating or conniving or choose to see, hey, God is at work. We, we can choose to hate people with power or we can choose to focus on the one who says he has overcome the world. I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on the earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We, we choose. We are people who are full of God's spirit. We get to choose that. Stephen's accusers can no longer stand they, they hear and they, they hear what they hear and they put their hands over their ears and they began to shout and they, they rush towards Stephen and they drag him out of the city and begin to stone him. The, the, the work of the Holy Spirit is to build in us as accurately as possible a reflection of who Jesus is. And Stephen is so full of Jesus that as he's being hit by rocks that would eventually take his life away, he uses the very words that Jesus used. As they stone him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And, and, and he falls on his knees and starts shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And then he dies. There's something supernatural in that for me. Something otherworldly, not fighting for my innocence, not crying out or begging for my life, but petitioning God that he would overlook the sin and still reach the stone-cold heart and establish relationship with the very people who are taking his life unjustly. That, that is the teaching. That is the example of God. Jesus says, love your enemies, I say. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. If you love only those who love you, what reward is that in, there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors can do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Watch the news tonight. Sit there with a pen and a paper and make a list of the people that appear on the screen that are difficult to love. Make a list and make that your prayer list. It can be a powerful list, but, but hear me on this. Stephen's prayer changes world history. Stephen's prayer changes world history. Jesus, don't hold this sin against them. Don't keep them out of heaven because what they're doing to me right now. Pr prayer makes a difference every time we pray. Prayer makes a difference in the world because God hears, God answers prayer. Even if you don't see it where you stand or before you die. The text says that as he prays that prayer, standing in the crowd is a man named Saul. And he's not a passive bystander. He was looking on and he's complicit in the murder of Stephen. And Saul was guarding the, the coats of the men who were stoning Stephen so that they could get the job done. And Saul's hatred would increase. His authority would rise within the nation. And Acts chapter 8 says that Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. And he went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. He wasn't a good man. 
Saul was anti-Christian. He was anti-Jesus. He was anti-gospel. He was anti-church. Doing everything he could to wipe out the voice of the church. But Stephen prayed. Stephen prayed. Don't charge them with this sin. And God heard that prayer and took it to heart for Saul. Pursue them with your grace. Capture their hearts. Transform their life by your power. That's how spirit-filled people pray. They call for mercy. They call for grace to follow people until God conquers their hearts. Shortly after... In chapter 9, the book of Acts, Saul is uttering threats with every breath. He's eager to kill the Lord's followers. He's requested authority to arrest the followers of Jesus and bring them to Jerusalem in chains for prosecution. However, the prayer of Stephen was answered in chapter 9, and Saul has a profound, has a life-changing transformation in direct answer to the prayer of Stephen. Saul, later called Paul, goes on to establish at least 20 churches spread from Turkey all the way through to Europe. He goes on to write 13 or 14 books. It depends on whether you count Hebrews as one of his, of the 27 books of the New Testament. And Luke wants you to know, wants you to understand that the seed was planted in Saul at the time of Stephen's death. That the prayer that was prayed at the time of his death produced amazing fruit, amazing results. Fullness produces long-lasting, life-changing results and legacy. Luke wants you to know long after you stop walking long after you stop talking and working and praying and doing good in this life the seeds that you plant as a spirit full believer start to bear fruit if I can have Victoria come fullness means that Holy Spirit has been given the ability to manage to direct to lead to transform, to use, to empower, to make wise, effective, and strong in whatever setting, whatever circumstance he chooses for you. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will improve my character, will enlarge my capacity, my influence, my, ensure my competence, give me compassion for people, even the people who are greatly opposed to who I am and what I stand for. Holy Spirit will refine my personality and make me look, talk, act, think more like Jesus. Holy Spirit will be my advocate in heaven, will introduce me and entwine my life in the life and the love of Jesus. He will bring the up-to-date word, the word that God spoke this morning in heaven about me, Holy Spirit will deliver it to my ear today. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled and constantly refilled to the, the point of overflow. It's not an option. It doesn't matter what your denominational beliefs are it's not an option it's an imperative that Paul gave to the church be filled with the Holy Spirit do ever do whatever you need to do until you know the fullness know the presence know the power know the pleasure of an overflowing relationship with Holy Spirit be filled 
and live full. Holy Spirit doesn't look at our lives as as segments, doesn't see a a private life and a work life and and a church life and a family life. He sees you and the life that God has given you holistically. Six weeks ago today, we started the theme verse from Galatians chapter 5. Live by the Spirit. Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. Be controlled. Be guided. Be led by the Holy Spirit in your work. Let Him use you. Let Him grow you. Be the most amazing parent led by the Holy Spirit. Be the most incredible friend who brings life to every relationship. Be anointed to minister life everywhere you go. Bring hope, bring signs, bring miracles to the people that God brings across your path. We're in a time when the world needs to see a courageous and bold, powerful church right now. More than it's ever needed it before. That can only happen if his people are full to the point of overflow. We we have to be motivated by his heart that says none can perish, but that all should come to eternal life. We need to understand that the Son of God did not come to coddle and compromise and suggest political decisions to a broken, oppressed, imprisoned world. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. A Spirit-empowered people walking in the God-intended Spirit-fullness of who we are were made to be and do that. Understand that when we come together, we don't just hope that something happens. We come with an expectation. We come with the ability to fight to see something happen. We we don't passively wait. We actively pursue Holy Spirit. We don't stand watching for and hoping that someone else does something. We jump in with the confidence of God that with Him nothing is impossible, that what we do needs to be done. I like Jesus. You, like Jesus, can truthfully, as you seek to, can truthfully say as you seek to be full to the point of overflow, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And He has anointed me. He's working in me. He's equipping me. He's empowering me. He's clothing me with His ability to bring good news to people that are poor in all sorts of ways. He sent me to proclaim that captives are about to be released, that blind will see, that oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor, the time of God's yes, has come. It's right now. It's right now. Now is the time. That's what fullness looks like. Will you stand with me? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and fill us to the, to the filling point, to the, to the maximum point of our lives. Holy Spirit, come and de- create in us a desire for more of you. Holy Spirit, come and create in us a hunger to see things shake and rattle so that you can be made King of kings, Lord of lords, in this city, in this province, and across this land. Prince of Peace, come to Ukraine today. Stand up and speak your will, your way. Holy Spirit, come. 
come to situations, come to impossible circumstances that are faced by this people in this place and reveal yourself as the God who can do the impossible. And Holy Spirit, help us to understand that you're leading us, you're growing us, you're increasing our capacity, you're increasing our understanding of what you do, of who you are, and how you do it. God, you're opening our eyes to new things every single day. Help us to hear your interpretation, not our interpretation of what's going. Father, help us to see people the way you see them. The person that seems to be an irritant to our life might very well be the hungriest person looking for God, and you have purposely put us in their path. Help us to believe for signs and miracles flowing out of not just gatherings like this, but in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in the grocery store where we're running, running into people that we know and they tell us of their need and we can say, can I just pray with you right now? Let the fullness of who you are fill us and be exhibited in us so that like Stephen of old, they'll say, that person is full of God. He resembles, she resembles the Lord she serves, the God he knows. Father, let fullness come. I thank you for what you've done in our hearts these last month as we've looked at empowerment. And I'm praying, God, that you'll seal that and that you'll grow it and you'll increase it in, in us and in who we are. I pray, God, that you would release us to greater understanding of what you're doing in us in this time, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Go and be full. Go and be dangerous. You're dismissed. God bless you.